Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest community conversation here at Atlantic Health System. My name is Luke Margolis. I'm the Corporate Communications Director here at Atlantic Health. And for our, the third time, I believe, actually, Brian, if I remember correctly, for a community conversation, I am pleased to be joined by Brian Granulati, the President and CEO of Atlantic Health System. Brian, good to see you again. Thanks, Luke. So um, we seem to, to have you back at these moments of inflection here for, uh, for our journey with this, with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We had you on uh, very early in the process back in um, early April, once we started doing the, this series, and we had you a little bit later, right around the time when we saw a peak in cases. But now we're having you back at another important moment here in this process, and I'm wondering, um, as we talk about the availability of a vaccine, um, I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts right now as you take a look at the situation in the aggregate in terms of where we are? Well, you know, I, I think the first thing is today is a great day. Um, you know, the ability to uh, have vaccines now being distributed to sites where they're going to be administered is uh, something that uh, if I think back 10 months ago, I had absolutely wished for and I'm thrilled to see it happen uh, so early because I think it has so much promise. You know, today, this morning, I, I started out uh, with my uh, uh, normal dermatologic visit, just uh, keeping up with uh, preventative care. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and when I walked in, uh, my dermatologist, she said to me, you must be really happy today. And I went through, because I'm at your office or, <laughs> uh, but no, she, she, was talking, she was talking about the vaccine being here. And I think that so many people really do feel that way, particularly in the medical community, because we have a lot of confidence about this vaccine. And we know that this is really what it's gonna take to really uh, stop playing defense against this virus. And now we're gonna start playing offense against it. And, and I'm really excited about that. We have, um as folks out there who undoubtedly have been paying attention to this subject over the last few months know, uh, there's a lot of information that's come out recently. So we have a lot of that here, and we'll try to get through as much of it as we can. If you have questions, we will do our best to answer them to the best of our ability. Please understand things, even now, as, as of when we're taping this on Monday, um, things continue to evolve. Uh, we have potential weather coming up later this week, which, of course, because it's 2020, why wouldn't you have a weather consideration on top of all of this? Um, but so please feel free to submit your questions in the chat um, function on Facebook there, and we will try to get to as many of those as we can, as completely as we can. But I have plenty that I'd like to start with. I'll, I'll use my prerogative as the, was one of the folks on camera here to do so. Um, Brian, let's, if we can, talk a little bit about um, what gives you so much confidence in the science of, of this virus? There's, this moved rather quickly, if I understand uh, vaccine production correctly. Um, so why so confident? What, what gives you so much confidence about this process? You know, I've had a, a chance to participate in the advisory committee to the uh, governor uh, here in New Jersey, and we have spent so much of our time um, really talking about this vaccine. And, and so I feel that I'm fairly educated uh, about the uh, process and the science associated with it. So when I look at um, uh, the science around this vaccine, it's based on a platform that's been in development for uh, almost a decade, uh, these first two vaccines, the, the Pfizer and Moderna. So we didn't start from, from zero. And it's also based on a lot of the work that went in in, in you know, unveiling and understanding genetic code. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and clearly that's helping this. So that's one piece of it. 
The second piece of it is um, that we did follow the science on this, um, and that was evidenced, uh, I think, over the last week when we saw the rigor on which uh, the information came forward and, um, again, had an opportunity to review all that. But I, I also know that there's some confusion out there, and part of it is what this thing's been labeled, warp speed. Operation warp speed. You know, yeah. uh, warp speed is probably not something you associate with science. <laughs> or uh, deliberate, <laughs> slow, deliberate action, yeah. Uh, but really, what it, what it was about was enabling companies, drug companies, who historically um, haven't looked at vaccines as a real uh, profitable venture for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but being able to give them access to the kinds of resources they needed to have in order to just put all hands on deck uh, for, these, uh, for this issue, but also uh, create mechanisms where they can financially hedge the production of this so that they can do the production concurrently while they're going through the approval process. And that has taken literally, uh, you know, years off of Because they used to happen this. consecutively? Yeah. So if you're developing a, a drug, um, you're not going to start producing it until you're sure it's going to get approved. Right, right. And what Operation Warp Speed did is if companies chose to, and Moderna did, Pfizer did not, um, take uh, government funding uh, that would allow them to start the production cycle, that has just shaved off so much time. So that's why you can go from getting a federal approval on Sunday to now seeing vaccines being shipped all over the country. And that is unprecedented. So my take on this from looking at the science and from talking to all of our experts in this um, and understanding um, how this was, was supported by the federal government, I think that this is a perfect blend for a public-private partnership and it's um, allowed us to get, I think, some very safe and, and uh, vaccines that have great efficacy, meaning they work at very high levels, but at the same time, um, get them out quickly because the government has backed the production of these. So we're starting to see uh, published video of trucks leaving uh, the Midwest where, where the production of this vaccine was taking place. And for the folks who are in New Jersey who are watching this, they're obviously watching with great anticipation. Um, and, and I know that a lot of this is still subject to change in terms of when the vaccine will arrive, but um, we know the governor is, is, gonna be, um, is gonna be doing something um, tomorrow that's been publicly reported. We anticipate then over the next couple of days to be able to start seeing vaccine distribution in New Jersey then? Is that, does that comport yeah. with kind of what what's, we know? What's been, what's been reported uh, in New Jersey is there's going to be six uh, hospitals that will initially receive this and then a number of others will a day uh, later. And those six hospitals uh, have been uh, selected um, by the state because the government required it. And in essence, they are there to test the logistics of this and to make sure that the systems and processes work, data collection can occur. Mm -hmm. But that allows us to really begin the deployment of the vaccine. So here at Atlantic, that's gonna be Morristown. Yep. And um, yep. we're very excited about that opportunity. We're ready. Um, uh, you know, we're hoping that uh, we can start this in the next day or two. And um, uh, we think that uh, our team members are really looking forward to this. You've been in healthcare um, for all, just about all of your adult professional life. Correct. Have you ever, is there anything logistic, 
logistical or just logistically, I'm choosing the wrong uh, conjugation of that, uh, that, that is analogous to where we are now. Has there been anything in your experience that compares to what we're doing logistically as a nation to make this vaccine available for people? No, this is unprecedented. Um, you know, yesterday uh, I was watching, um, I've never really watched a cargo plane take off. Uh, and I was watching a, on, on CNN, uh, you know, the, the FedEx plane take off. And, uh, you know, I just, I was mesmerized by the thought. So no, I've never seen anything like this. How is, in terms of our team, because we know that it's also been reported and widely discussed that, that healthcare workers will be amongst the first folks to get this. Um, it, in terms of your impression about um, how confident folks are about getting it, the enthusiasm around it, what are you hearing from, from folks here at Atlantic or, or even from your position with the American Hospital Association around the country um, about the enthusiasm around this on folks on our side of, of the aisle here? Well, there's the anecdotal data, obviously, and then there's the, the data that we collect. So recently here at Atlantic, we did a survey of um, our 18,000 team members or so, and uh, 10,000 people replied, which is a pretty good response on a survey. And of those, of those folks that replied, uh, and we asked them a number of questions, but the most simplest way to describe this, most simple way to describe this is that um, about 63 to 68% of the people who replied said that they would be willing to take this vaccine. And uh, that's a good sign because, you know, our goal as a country is to get to that 70% uh, level. And then, um, you know, so another 20 or so percent said they wanted to just see a little bit uh, about how, how it, it went. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're pretty enthusiastic about that. And, and I, you know, over the weekend, I ran into uh, a few of uh, uh, physicians that we work with here at Atlantic and uh, asked them about how they were feeling about getting the vaccine. And they are... Uh, enrolled and ready to go and waiting the call when they know that their uh, slot in line is ready for them. We have gotten a, a number of questions that have come in while we've been talking and a couple of them um, revolve around one specific thing. Uh, David and Nicole both have asked, when can we get it, right? Not Those not in healthcare. When, when do we know or is there a hope about when this may be available at some point to what I guess we could call the, the general public or yeah. whatever we want to look so, at? You know, like anything, um, this is going to have to be a prioritization process because, as I said, you know, this first vaccine got approved. We're hoping that the second one, Moderna, gets approved later this week. Mm -hmm. And then there are a number of other candidate, pipe, candidate vaccines that are in a pipeline. J&J, yeah, AstraZeneca, AstraZeneca. And, yep. and things like that. Yep. Um, but, you know, those are going to be out a little farther because of where they are in the in the science process of, of this and in the trial. So um, you're going to start to see these these come out slowly uh, and the production's going to continue to build. So the prioritization of this really is think about it in three tranches. The first is going to be, you know, kind of phase one is going to be um, healthcare workers, long-term care residents and, and uh, staff members and essential workers. That's really gonna be the first phase. Um, the second phase is gonna be people with pre-existing conditions and over 65. And then the third phase will be the rest. So if you think about the supply, this first phase, we're gonna be faced with shortages. Now those shortages will diminish over time. So as this, supply, as builds supply builds in. So this first phase with healthcare workers and long-term care 
residents and staff, I could see that rolling out over the next month and a half or so here in New Jersey, maybe a little more. Uh, and then it's not going to be binary like that's done and then we start the next one. So as, as those are ramping up and then you start to hit the curve and you start to go down, this next phase will kick in of essential workers um, and um, you know that'll take place. Mm -hmm. And again, the supply is going to continue to grow, so it's going to be easier to do that. And then we'll have pre-existing conditions and, and elderly uh, as that next grouping. So um, you know it's going to take place over a matter of months. The goal of the governor is to get 70% of New Jersey uh, residents uh, immunized in six months. And we're going to do everything in our part in the healthcare community to help him achieve that goal for our state. So long story short, folks, and, and I know a number of these questions continue to come in around the same topic. It's not, there are going to be sort of sliding, adjusting variables as this process plays itself out. Supply, um, how enthusiastic folks are for getting it, all of those kinds of things are going to, are going to play a role. So, so the answer I, I, I give my wife uh, is that she's going to need to wait a few months um, in order to be able to, to, to get this. Now, the answer for my daughter who lives in Massachusetts and is a, a student, is, is a, a physical therapy student um, doing clinicals, is she's gonna be in 1A, so she's gonna get it quicker. Because of her potential risk to, to patients and right. things along those right. lines. Um, how ready, and this is not just at Atlantic Health System, although I, I, I do want you to comment on, on that as well. How ready are we as, as an industry to do this work? And yeah. I mean, and then even rural hospitals in parts of the country that may otherwise be fairly limited on resources. How confident are you that we as a healthcare field will be ready to do this effectively? So this first, this first phase of healthcare workers uh, and long-term care uh, residents, uh, we're very confident that we're going to be able to get that done. As it relates to the healthcare workers, um, you know, these are our own team members, our mm -hmm. uh, related physicians, community-based physicians, et cetera. And I, I, as I crisscross the country and talk to people uh, about this through my role in the American Hospital Association, I'm convinced that um, we're going to be able to get that done pretty well as long as we get the supply there. Uh, Long-term care uh, looks like that's going to be done through companies like CVS and Walgreens, and they have plans that they've put together, and um, those will roll out hopefully in the next week or a couple of weeks. The trickier part gets down to essential workers and uh, first responders and teachers and, and, and stuff like that, and that's really where you're going to see these public-private partnerships emerge in the communities because we got to get this vaccine accessible to people, particularly people who have, uh, 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 who live in, in, in areas that we know are underserved. Uh -huh. You talked about rural areas, but here in New Jersey, we have, uh, you know, we have blocks and neighborhoods where uh, we see disparities occur. So part of this is making sure that we have the right kinds of delivery there uh, to do that. So working with federal qualified health centers, uh, working with community clinics, um, how we work with the counties and the towns, and, and, and we're doing a lot of uh, work and having conversations with folks about how we can help them. So I think that as these phases roll out, you're going to see a broader distribution network um, that's going to be um, really linked by data, uh, which is part of the requirement. And I think the state of New Jersey and the governor is doing a really good job um, trying to make sure that that uh, 
that that happens. Because at the end of the day, again, it's about getting people vaccinated. There's two angles here that, um, that I want us to, to touch on a little bit. Um, one of them revolves around the importance of masking, and we'll, and we'll touch on that in a moment because that's not going away anytime soon. But one more just on, on what we know about the vaccine at this point. Um, there are a lot of questions that have come in, including, you know, um, how is this process going to work uh, when I get my first shot? How soon do I need to get my second one? Um, what about potential side effects? Do we know okay. about that at this point? And then what do we know about whether or not folks who are immunocompromised or people who are pregnant? There's a lot of things in place about w where people can go to get more information about this. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about what we know at this point on some of that stuff and, and ultimately what we think the sure. single source of truth should be for, for patients uh, as they look to make healthcare decisions. Sure. At, at the end of the day, the single source of truth needs to be their primary care physician or their physician who is taking care of their complicated condition. Who knows them best. Yeah. And, um, you know, our doctors uh, have really been paying so much attention to this uh, that, uh, and they have access to that information. So that's a single source of truth. But if you think about it quite simply, right now we have one vaccine. It's Pfizer. The Pfizer vaccine. And um, that, that vaccine requires super, super cold temperatures. You've read about that, these special refrigerators that we've, we had some here at Atlantic and we've added uh, others. Uh, and there's a very complicated dance to get that vaccine to somebody that's going to administer it and then make sure that patient shows up. So um, right. that in of itself is important. But that also means that because your first dose, your primer dose was, uh, was Pfizer, you're gonna have your second dose, which in their instance is about three weeks from when you got your first dose, you're gonna have to get that same vaccine. So no mixing and matching. You can't get a Pfizer and then if Moderna comes up, you add your, your booster as Moderna, it doesn't work that way. Got it, okay. Um, and so, uh, and then again, we're hoping that Moderna uh, goes through the approval process this week, and that becomes a second choice. Um, so which folks begins. really have to keep those second appointments. It's not like you could just those say, second oh, appointments are those second appointments are critical. And um, you know, part of the process that we go through, and the reason we have you register and and get your contact information, is to make sure that you get that second dose, because the primer dose will show efficacy, and that's been very very. Uh, impressive and remind folks what that means efficacy it means yeah, it works, it works. Yeah. yeah there's two yeah. things vaccines you, that are always challenging about vaccines does it work mm -hmm. and is it safe um, and so uh, as in terms of does it work even your primer dose your first dose will show uh, immunities being developed but to really get to that level uh, where you need to be you've got to get that second dose now, in terms of um, yeah, some of these complications that people have, you know, pregnant women—that's an—that's an example. Yep. Um, uh, there wasn't a definitive uh, uh, decision made on that, and it has to do with small sample sizes in the in the overall uh, uh, population that was in investigation. But the best advice there is have that conversation with your OB/GYN, yep. and it's important to do that. The second are people who are immunocompromised. Yeah, right. They yeah. might be yeah. under, you know, I have a, a, a close family member who asked me this question on the phone last night uh, about what he should do. And again, it's consult with your physician because oftentimes it's, is it a live virus or not? This is not, right. um, and that clears the way, but you've got to talk to your doctor. Uh, and the same question about, you know, comes up about, well, I've, I've uh, had COVID, um, should I get this or not? 
and there's some guidance on, well, make sure that you're not currently um, having symptoms mm -hmm. and that you've gone so you through a, a, quarantine, a quarantine period. Yeah. And then secondly, um, while um, we don't know um, uh, if it matters or not yet, uh, the data isn't out there, um, uh, there is some sense that you have levels of immunity, but um, you're still able to get a vaccine. It doesn't keep you from getting a, a vaccine. So once we do all this, can we finally, after 10 months of, of wearing these things that we've, most of us have never worn before, can we finally get rid of that gigantic collection of masks we've all got growing in our in drawers and things in our in our homes? Can we finally walk away from mask wearing once we get this shot? No, you can't. That's a bummer. No, you can't. <laughs> Why not? And Luke, if I see you not wearing your mask, I'm going to get really upset. <laughs> see, no, um, everybody knows now. But in the, in the reality, the reality is that we're going to be coexisting with this virus uh, for several months more. Um, and that's going to continue into um, when it's fully administered, um, but also, um, you know, what that level of, of ultimate, uh, the numbers look like. Did we hit the 70% or not? Because what we're trying to do is to get to this concept of herd immunity, um, which, which takes place. So the normal question is, well, I'm bulletproof now. I got a pass. I got a hall pass because I took this vaccine. I can hop on that plane or I can go to that go to bar. Ball game or whatever. Yeah. yeah. The thing that we don't know right now, though, is are you still going to be able to be a transmitter? Now, I know that that sounds counterintuitive. Uh, wait, I got this vaccine, so I know that I've gotten a systemic re response that's in the 95% level. Yeah. So how sick. can I give somebody the vaccine? Well, we don't know if that's true or not. We just, the science doesn't know yet if um, because you have a systemic response, if you still aren't carrying it in your nose, um, so if you sneeze or do something like that, you can send it out to others. In other words, your system is fighting it, so you're not getting sick, mm -hmm. but your nose is holding it and so that so you may still, still be able to, to push it out. And we will continue to study that uh, there was an interesting article that I read recently about that. So in the time being, until we really get um, a lot of people immunized and we begin to see um, the transmission factors really plummet mm -hmm. uh, and we measure those uh, all the time in state by state, the conventional wisdom is wear your mask and follow whatever rules are being put out by the government on this because the, the government's going to be on this. You know, Governor Murphy here in New Jersey We'll be studying this very carefully and providing guidance. Um, Deborah has a, a question that I think is interesting. Um, she wants to know about um, where the administration of this vaccine will eventually take place for the general public. We know hospitals and health systems will play a big role. Um, but could, and I know some of this is still probably getting worked out, but can you envision a scenario yeah. where doctor's offices or other type places will be able to administer this as well? So again, if you move from this super cold Pfizer vaccine right. to one that can be stored in more traditional ways, I could see this being distributed very broadly. Um, the key requirement, though, is to keep a database. Um, that's going to be the one thing that, that holds true. So I could, be, I could see this being done in pharmacies, both chain pharmacies and you know, regional pharmacies. It's certainly going to be done in uh, public health clinics and federally qualified health centers uh, and things like that. 
Uh, we will continue to be in this business uh, as the Atlantic Health System, as I know many of uh, other uh, our other health systems in New Jersey mm -hmm. uh, will do that. And we'll continue to work with counties and, and towns and municipalities because, again, the goal is to make this as accessible as possible. And then physicians' offices. You know, I can envision this at a point where it will go into physicians' offices as long as it can be stored mm -hmm. safely uh, and the administration of it can be documented. Because, quite frankly, your primary care medical home is a perfect place for this because they have your comprehensive health record. Um, and they can make sure that, that you're following up on this. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got we've to walk before we run. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the vaccine we have right now has a lot of complexities associated with its storage. Yeah, for folks who can't quite, who aren't very familiar with some of that, imagine, I mean, it's what, negative 75 or negative 80 degrees centigrade, ne right? Minus 70 centigrade, which is like minus 96 Fahrenheit or something like so that. So you got to imagine, like right? your household freezer is probably around zero. zero. Right. So you got to think about the extreme level of cold we're talking about here. It's not, you can't just go and pick up one of these mini fridges or something but like I, that. I know that Dave on our team had uh, an opportunity to film one of our ultra cold refrigerators and tried to get in close and was pulled away so that uh, he didn't freeze his hands. We are grateful for that. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, okay, so we have just, we literally are down to our last couple of minutes here, and I, I want to touch on just a couple of things before we go. Um, I think this is probably one of the last one of these conversations we're going to do for this calendar year. I think most people would be forgiven if they couldn't wait for 2020 to go away and for us to turn the page on this year. But um, for our um, audience who's been on this community conversation journey with us, um, when you think back to where we were back in um, April when we started doing these, um, what, do you, what are you struck by? What do you think about as it relates to our team members, to, to our interaction with our communities? I mean, it's been a year unlike any other. Is, what, are you, what are you feeling as we're getting ready to turn the page on this calendar year? You know, when we, when we uh, first learned about this at the uh, beginning of 2020, um, and then kind of went into February and started planning for it. Right. But then in March saw the rocket take off. Um, that was unbelievable, particularly here in the New Jersey, New York metro area. It was like no other um, in the country. And we saw a doubling of cases every two to three days. We literally, over a three-week period, went from about zero patients in the hospital with COVID to about 600. And then we peaked out in April at 900 patients, plus another 200 in our home programs that would have been in, in the hospital. We had not developed those programs. In context, where are we now? Just, just to jump so in. So this quick. morning in this second wave, as we've described, we're at 290 patients in our hospitals. So just to give folks a sense about the volume yeah. level and for those who may have concerns. Yeah, and, and you know, while we have 290 patients in our hospitals, um, care goes on for everything else. And we do that very safely, and we've had, you know, just uh, we're running our OR six days a week in some places and seven days a week uh, for, for pe people whose care has been backed up. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can safely coexist with COVID. Um, but when I, the thing that has held true through this whole period is um, our team members. They are incredible, um, and they're expert at what they do. Mm -hmm. They were so flexible and innovative when we first saw this virus and didn't know what we were dealing with and how to create more capacity. And even today, 
there's a sense of calm in our organizations uh, because they have the tools, they have the, 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 the skills that they need going forward. But everybody's fatigued, you know. This has affected everybody because you can't compartmentalize it to work. It affects your life. It affects your holidays. I know my holidays, my Thanksgiving holiday was quite different and my Christmas holiday will be quite different, not being able to spend time with as much family as we'd like. But this to me is a light at the end of the tunnel. And what we have to stay focused on right now is continuing to care for our communities and to make sure our team members are safe. We've got to use the vaccine in a way that we can get as many of our team members immunized as quickly as we can. And then we need to roll that through the community to begin to do that. But we also have to be role models in medicine. We have to be role models in that we're taking the vaccine and um, we know that that's gonna be safe and important. But we also have to keep harping on those tools and techniques that we use. Wear your mask, listen to the rules about social distancing, wash your hands and use common sense. Because my hope is that next Thanksgiving and Christmas are back to what we would hope they would wanna be. Maybe even by Easter, we might be able to see a, a little improvement as well, perhaps. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. And uh, maybe the Jersey Shore will be a little uh, <laughs> easier to navigate uh, uh, this coming summer than it was the past. Well, for somebody who commutes that way, I can say it's pretty easy to get down there. It's just, once you get down there, it's, it's a bit of a different experience. So, Brian, we are, we are out of time, but I wanna thank you so much for taking a moment with us today and for, for sharing these thoughts. Thank you, Luke. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this community conversation. If you have to bail out at any point, uh, this entire uh, conversation will exist on our website, AtlanticHealth.org, where you can find all of the information Brian was talking about with regard to primary care physicians. If you need a doctor, check out our Find a Doctor profiles there. Also, we have testing and vaccine info there as well. You can also see this um, full uh, conversation on our Facebook page. You can hear it on our SoundCloud account, and you can see it all on television on News 12 Plus, Saturdays and Sundays at 8 30 a.m. My name is Luke Margolis. I'm the Corporate Communications Director for Atlantic Health. On behalf of our President and CEO, Brian Granulati, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.